It's Brew Crew territory. It's a sad show. We're going to talk to Corbin Burns coming up. That conversation happened uh, very soon before we got some really crappy news about our friend Brandon Woodruff, one of the old school throwback best pitchers in the sport, one of the best interviews in the sport, some shoulder surgery for him and Kratz. It was reported from Sophia Minner that he is going to be out for most of, if not all, of the 2024 season. Yeah, it's a little shoulder piece. It's a little, you know, I don't know exactly what the surgery that he had, but you have surgery on your shoulder and you, you just never want to hear that as a friend, as, you know, a pitcher that really has anchored this staff with Corbin, with Freddie, the three of those guys, the three-headed monster really got them to where they were this year. And you saw when he wasn't in the playoff rotation, what that did to him. It's just something that is, it's, it's heartbreaking to see my friend go down like that, but it's also heartbreaking for, for Brewers fans and for his career. Right. And he was going to be a free agent after next season too, or still is still will be coveted as a young guy, but shoulders are tough to come back from. So, um, Speedy recovery to Woody, to Big Woo. And then also we'll get into the team side of that conversation after you hear from Corbin Burns, who addressed the Orlando Arcia controversy, the Jose Barrios early removal, and of course, Brew Crew conversations about where this team is at going forward. And if Corbin is going to demand a trade, if Eric Kratz is suddenly a manager, listen in. Corbin, how we doing? And before we get to your stuff, um, oh, oh. What, is, what is this? Oh my goodness. What is this? What is this sorcery <laughs> that goodness. I see up there? <laughs> All by itself. <laughs> yes. Oh, sorry about that. I forgot that was there. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you guys talk? Like, do you say uh, hi when that? you walk into the room? What's up? You say hi to the, that, that huge piece of metal on the wall when you walk <laughs> into the room it's a little lovely i that's fine so there's got a bunch of slots up there for some more so yeah i like that true true i like that yeah you come you by he time. comes he comes by after a good workout and he's like i like you si <laughs> i like i like what you're doing up there and for the crowd that will listen to this like audio wise later they're probably like what it's a cy young award on the uh, on the wall so it's his, it's his. <laughs> yeah. It's it. He didn't take it from someone else and it's real. Okay. So anyway, Corbin, let's start with this and let us know if you need any more information on it. Cause we can provide, but do you see the back and forth with Bryce Harper and Orlando Arcia, the good clean fun. Then he looks at him with his two home runs. And then afterward, you know, there, it seems like there's a little bit of sensitivity from the brave side. They also lost the game, but Arcia, you know, said attaboy about Bryce, which players, I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, do all the time after they win a game like that. And the media was there already and it was open. So cool. A anything you think was done wrong there? What did you think of the whole situation? Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things that you, you say it to you know, the guys in the clubhouse and you say it to your boys, like, hey, you know, we, just, we just won that game because of a mistake there. But um, obviously, Arcia was pretty pumped up because of the, uh, you know, the win. But, um, yeah, I think that's something that I always think is going to get um, to the media and get heard by everyone. But the fact that it did, um, you know, you, you got to go up, you got to own up to it, you got to go out and play baseball, and you got to go in and uh, you win a baseball game the next day. You can't let that affect you, um, you know, moving into the next day. Um, 
just because it can, it can carry over and like you say, it gives it some momentum, but still got to go out and play baseball. Yeah. I mean, the, the way, I don't know how, how much you followed it, but the way they handled it was more like, well, we didn't want anybody to hear that instead of, in my opinion, like, Hey, we just made one of the greatest double plays to end a game. And you know what? He may have made a base running blunder. Had he dropped that ball, Harper scores. And it may have been incredible base running too. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, it's like you said, there's some things that are probably said that you don't want to get out, but it, if, you're, if you're running around saying it when there's media in there, you have to know that it's, it's going to get to the other side. It's, they're going to make a story out of it. That's, that's what media's in there. That's what media is supposed to do. They're supposed to make stories out of it, especially in a postseason setting um, where things are amplified even more. Like that's, that's the stuff they're looking for. That's the reason why they're in the clubhouse. So you have to know that when something's said, um, as small as it may have been, and taken out of context maybe a little bit, but um, you, you got to know when there's media around, it's, it's going to get out. And my thing is, I just don't, I mean, it's not going to because it'll get forgotten in a few days. I don't want it to take away from how the setup is currently. Like, you know, players might, some like to talk to media a lot, some don't at all. Some like to do something like this versus be in the clubhouse, whatever. But the, the one thing that bothered me, and I would just say it to him, I will probably in the offseason at some point we bring him on. Travis Darno's like, well, maybe we shouldn't have, you know, say, say anything to the media now, whatever, right? Like, all right. The, the clubhouse was open. It's it's not a big deal. I, to me, I just got, and Kratz was started this, a little sense of, hey, the, the Braves are down 2-1. They had a freaking dominant season, and they're against the ropes, and they're probably just a little pissed off, too, as a ball club right now, which is also fine. But I don't I don't think we get – trust me from a business sense, bad idea if we're playing all these games and nobody's talking and no one's talking about them. Like, everyone knows that's not good for business. And it's not like a reporter, like – kind of did something weird like they're just they're yeah. in the clubhouse during that time period i don't think this is like anything that needs to be rectified no i mean there, there's there's obviously when you see the media coming in you know that you know there a lot of times there's hot mics or that, that kind of thing so um there's a lot of reason why some older guys when the media come to the clubhouse you know they're never in there they're in the they're in the weight room they're in the training room they're eating food like you know, there, there's ways to go and have conversations with your teammates about stuff without media being around. They're only allowed to go in certain areas. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was it was probably it was one of those things. That was a big game. It was a big win. Um, it was a big play to end the game. They were all excited, um, rightfully so. But um, yeah, I think it's it's tough to to then say, okay, we're not going to talk to the media because that's just part of part of our job as, as baseball players. To the Brewers, you are the same as Bryce Harper is to the Phillies. You're that big-time guy. You're that guy that the team leans on in a big situation. Do you need motivation? Do you need somebody else to tell you, hey, you know what? I think Corbin Burns did screw up last year and make the Brewers not make the playoffs. <laughs> what? Now I'm going to go out and pitch way better. No, I mean, we, we, I think you know, guys draw enough motivation from you know, the game itself. Um, I think a postseason setting like that where you're playing an in-division you know, rival, I think you have plenty of motivation as it is. Um, obviously, you don't play each other near as many times as we used to, but um, you know, there, there's enough motivation for them playing back in Philly um, against the Braves, who were you know, one of the best teams all year. Um, I, I don't think that they, you know, Harper himself needs the extra motivation. Maybe he you know, drew from it. Maybe it was more the, the crowd drew from it uh, more than anything. Because he's such a uh, you know big time clutch performer, but um, yeah, I don't think you know there's there's much 
extra motivation that needs to be added because that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's the pinnacle of the game right there. Playing against your division rival in the freaking two homer game. Like that's, that, that's the stuff you love for as a hitter. So um, I, I don't think he needs the, the extra motivation. Needs? No, but here I'll phrase it this way. Like what if, and for both of you, what if, I say, hey, go beat that guy in a boxing match right now, right? Just straight up. And you're like, okay. And then I, I put you in that scenario. And then same exact scenario in a vacuum. I go, go beat that guy in a boxing match right now. And first I have him come up to you and just slug you in the face. Will you perform maybe a little bit better? Yeah, more angry. More angry. Maybe there's some different kind of adrenaline. I'm not saying, like, that's my point. Does Harper hit those homers anyway? Maybe, probably, whatever. But my counter to, to what you said is, are there people that like to use things in general as motivation, as a chip on their shoulder? I mean, I mentioned in our first segment, Zach Allen, when he was on this show, is like, yo, I think I should have gotten more Cy Young votes last year. I kept those some of those names and votes down, not to like personally attack, but more for him to just be like, okay, they didn't think that I was good enough. And he said he's thought about that throughout the year. So I do think it can help someone tick a little bit, right? Yeah, I think so. Um you know, but from my side of it, I'm trying to go out and throw, uh, you know, nine innings and punch out 20 guys every every time. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, opening day, if it's a meaningless start in July, or if it's the postseason. Uh, so I think Harper's kind of the same, wired the same way. He's trying to go out there and go four for four with four homers. So, um, you know, I think there there could be an extra little chip on his shoulder um, because of some words that have been said. But, um, yeah, he's trying to go out there and make his, you know, mark on the game and make an impact. And he's trying to hit a homer every time he comes to the plate, just like, Gallon's trying to go to the mound and punch out the side every time he goes out there, just like I am. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think we need to draw extra motivation. Uh, but yeah, I think I think there definitely is. You know, some, sometimes you have a little chip on your shoulder of trying to prove some people wrong. But um, you know, that's not going to change how you perform or how you you know prepare for that game. You're still doing the same kind of things um, and trying to go out there and, and do your best every time. All right, you said you're you're going out to prepare to throw nine innings, twenty punches. What if you're put in a Jose Barrios, Barrios situation where he was or maybe he wasn't told he's coming out? One, have you ever been put in that situation where it's like, hey, you know what, Bernsey? I know you're our guy right here, but we're facing elimination, so we're going to pull you because of this and that reason. And two, how do you react if you are Barrios in that situation? Yeah, I personally haven't been in that spot. Um you know, I've, I've got a good relationship with Counts that if I'm throwing the ball well and he comes up to me and asks, you know, how you're doing? Um, if I, I say good, it's good. Okay, keep going. So I haven't had the situation where I may be dealing and, and he comes and says, hey, you know, you're done, that kind of thing. So I haven't come across that. Um, but, yeah, being in his situation, I think it would be tough. Um, you know, I, I think from from his side of it, you got to be like, like, yeah, I'm throwing the ball well, but there's also the understanding of elimination game and if they feel like there's better matchups. Um you know, there's a lot smarter people that are looking at that and um, saying, "Hey, this guy, you know, doesn't have, you know, has good numbers against you. It's the second time through, third time through, whatever it may be." Um, you know, I think analytics, obviously, as much as we, you know, like it or dislike it, um, it's becoming more and more and more prevalent in the game. Um, obviously, I'm not a huge fan of it. I think if if I'm out there dealing, um, you know, let me go because you know, stuff is different when you're throwing well versus you know when you got your your B or C stuff. So. Um, it's definitely tough. It's definitely, you know, I think it's kind of something similar to a few years back with, with the breaks, the Blake Snell scenario, scenario in Tampa. Um, it just kind of seems like there's always one situation that comes up every year where a manager is going to be questioned, and yeah, that's just part of the game. All right, you said you have a good relationship with Counts. 
but what if you're on the mound right there? What are you like? Is there like some kind of like no, no? Is there like a talk behind your hand? Like, counts. You cannot. You cannot take this ball from me right now. I promise. I got this guy. Remember Woodruff too? He told us when he came on for what was that? His complete game. They had a back and forth. It was funny. Gabe. He he talked for as you'd probably imagine like six minutes and gave us like literally (laughs) word for word of what went down back and forth, and people loved it. He was just like, "How many pitches I got?" And like they're like negotiating pitches on it. And he talked about himself in the third person with a nickname too. Big Woo goes, "Come on, Big Woo, don't don't screw this up." Anyway, you're you're in that situation. Like, can you say that to counts? I've I've only had probably twice in the, in the past four years where he's come out to the mound. I think gonna make a make a change, and I told him like, no, I'm I'm not done yet. Um, and he kind of gets in my face. Like, okay, then you know, get this fucking guy out. Um, <laughs> but, um, usually, it, usually it's in between innings um, coming in. Um, you know, multiple times I've you know been through six, we're at like that 95 pitch mark, and I'm walking up the mound. He's looking at me and just hits me dead square in the eye, and I just shake my head no, like no, I'm not done. Um, and he goes okay, and you know he lets me go. So um, there's very few times we have conversations of like you know, hey, are, are you done? You want to go back out? Because he knows if he comes up to me and and he asks, I'm always going to say yeah, I'm I'm going back out. You know, but I'm I'm always going to try to go as many innings as I can. So. Um, most of the time he has to make that decision before he comes to me of like, Hey, no, that's it. We're at, you know, we're at a hundred pitches, whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, there's only been a couple of times where he's come to the mound and I think he's come out with the mindset of making a decision, um, to, you know, take me out. And I basically said, no, I'm, you know, I'm not done. Kind of just said, okay, then fucking get this guy out. So. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to try to smoothly transition this to a few minutes on the crew. So will you make a phone call like that at some point this offseason, if need be, to counts? Whether it's for him thinking about another team or just not coming back and say, dude, I'm, I'm going to need you for a few more seasons here. I'm going to need you to come back. <laughs> it's a unique situation. He's a, he's a free agent. I know he's been super tight about it. You know, he hasn't said much. We, we get a lot of brew crew on this show. I don't think we've talked to you about it, but like, you know, Freddie Peralta said he, he tried to talk to him a couple times about it and just was stonewalled. Like, he's just like, yeah, we'll deal with it later. Don't worry about it. But um, so I'm assuming he hasn't said anything to you, but um, even with that, do, do you have to make a phone call and be like, "Yo, I'm coming to the mound, counts. Like, let's go, dude. I need more out of you." Um, I, I think you know he, when when I left the you know, Milwaukee at the end of the year, he, you know we, we we always are are in contact in the off season, um, and I think we'll even more so will be this off season. Those kind of things go, but um, yeah, he hasn't really tipped his hand on anything of, of what uh, what's going to happen. Um, you know, I, I know he loves Milwaukee Brewers. He grew up in Milwaukee, going to the Brewers games. His dad worked there. Um, you know, he's loved managing there ever since he took over. Um, so I would, I would definitely find it, um, you know, find it difficult for him to leave to go somewhere else. Um, now, does he take a couple of years off to, to go spend time with his family? That's definitely a possibility. Um, you know, he's got he's got four kids and uh, college, high school age. Um, so it's he's definitely been away from him. That's something I think that. All dads can can kind of relate to if you know, want to spend more time with your family and your kids. Um, so I, I wouldn't count that out. But you know, he's, he's he's been in Milwaukee his whole life. I, I I would find it very difficult for him to go somewhere else. But um, like you said, he's he's a free agent. He's probably the best manager available out there. Um, so if some team wants to go out and throw some ridiculous numbers at him. I, I think he's human, just like you know the rest of us are. That was what I wanted to ask about. So, because he said, like, hey, I don't have a contract right now. It's okay to speculate about what will happen. I'm paraphrasing there. But that's why one thought process is 
If you're a team, you can throw a number at someone as a player, as a coach, as an executive, any kind of role, right? You could throw a number at someone and say, hey, I want to keep you long term. And this is what it looks like. He is a free agent at the moment. Would you be surprised or blame him if, you know, he gets an offer that doubles his salary to go somewhere else? And he's like, listen, I got to live like I'm going to do this for a few more years and then I can just retire because I'm going to be so damn rich. Yeah, I think if, you know, talks keep going um, long enough, I think there is that possibility that a team comes comes and offers some, some stupid number. Um, but I think in the end, he, he takes that number. And, you know, if, if, if the Brewers can match it or at least get close, I, I think he goes back to Milwaukee just because that's where he's been. That's what he knows. Um, that's what, you know, he loves. He's, he's, he's a Brewer, you know, down to his core. So, um, you know, do I think that some team – is going to throw out a stupid number out if it comes down to it. Absolutely. I mean, that's the, you would be the guy, if I was a GM or an owner, that's, that's the guy I want running it to. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see. You know, I, I think he's in kind of the best spot you can be as a, as a manager. He's going to make more than he did ever playing in a year. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> if he, if he puts himself out on the market. Sometimes this is how we roll on Brew Crew territory. Kratz, there you go. Game face, like you're on the mount. As Corbin Burns or Brandon Woodruff, or better yet, imagine if there was someone who could actually share their experiences catching some of the best Brewers pitchers. Oh, wait, that's you. So smart man right next to me in the box, and he is wearing his shady rays because he loves the highest quality. He loves having shades that look like they cost a ton, but they do not. Okay. That's what we're all about here. So also... This is probably not you because you're super organized, but what happens to me a lot is suddenly these cannot be found. And what we want you to know is Shady Rays offers the most ridiculously elite, is that the right word? Uh, lost and broken replacements plan out there. So um, if you break a pair or even on day one, you lose a pair, they will send you a brand new one, no questions asked. So wear your Shady Rays with confidence. Say it with your chest. You're nailing this, Kratzy. Uh, ShadyRays.com is the spot. Use the code FOUL, F-O-U-L, for 50% off two-plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people if you get involved with their best deal of the season. All right, we need, because they just advanced on to the NLCS, we need the Corbin Burns scatter report of the Diamondbacks, please. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're, they're a good young team. They're, they're playing baseball right now like they were early on in the year when they were leading the division, um, beating everyone. Um, it's, it's kind of a lineup that when a few guys get hot, it seems like they all get hot at the same time and they become a very dangerous team. Um, and I think we've seen that um, in our series and this, you know, that Dodgers series. Um, all of a sudden, you get a couple guys starting to catch fire and, and Terrell and Marte, and then top to bottom, they, they swing the bat. Um, they, they feed off each other. Um, as you saw in that inning with four homers, they did it with me, um, with back-to-back homers and a few innings later with the homer to Marino has you know, been, been unbelievable. Um, but yeah, I think when, when that offense gets going, um, it's, it's, it's all, I wouldn't say comparable to the Braves because it's a different type of lineup. Um, the way that they, you know, they score runs, but I mean, man, when they all get going, it's an exciting team and, you know, they, they. They play a, a different game than I think a lot of you know teams that are in that postseason with um, the speed, the contact, the on base, um, and I think that's where um, a 
lot of people don't realize big innings happen because of getting on base and the speed and the movement. Um, sometimes, you know, a leadoff homer, you know, a two run homer kind of, kind of kills the momentum of an inning where these guys can, uh, can keep it going with stolen bases and putting balls in the gap and, and, and running the speed that they got from really top of bottom. So definitely exciting team. And then, um, you know, Gallon and Kelly at the top leading that staff is, is pretty tough to beat. So I know you're never going to say you're afraid of a lineup, but of the three National League teams left, who do you think is the most difficult to navigate? Because the Braves run and slug, the Phillies run and slug, and the Diamondbacks, they've been slugging. They didn't slug quite like the other, you know, the other two. But for you, which one's the hardest to navigate? I would say the most difficult to navigate um... – I, I still got to say the Braves. I mean, the, the 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 first five or six in that order, um, when they're all swinging the bat, like there's not many places you can go to get those guys out. Um, you've really got to be on top of your game. Um, you know, there's the, the the Phillies. They have a lot of you know. There's a lot of swing and miss in the Phillies lineup. Um, but when like when, when they're clicking, like when Harper's doing what he's doing, um, Castellanos doing what he's doing, like they're you know they're tough to beat. But and then you got the Diamondbacks that are you know a team that's not going to punch out. So. It's kind of three different lineups, um, but you know, for me, I think the toughest to navigate would probably be the Braves. Um, when obviously when they're clicking right now, they're you know they're they're struggling a little bit offensively, but um, you know one through really six or seven in that order are, are really good. Okay, so it's been a week. Have you processed the season, and what are your thoughts? And I know you know like the season ends. It's weird. You talk to the media for five seconds, and maybe you know you say some buys to some players. So you know, what did you think? Is the disappointment level high? Did anyone say something to you that kind of stood out? Because I mean, I'm sure you're watching that series, and yes, the Diamondbacks are good and they're hot right now. But you're like, damn, we could have beaten the Dodgers and been in this NLCS too. Yeah, it's tough. Um, yeah, because we had such a good year. You know, to go out and win 92 games is, is tough to do. Um, and we had points in our season where we really struggled, and then we had points where we were really, really good. Um, so, as, you know, the season as a whole, I think we we're kind of proud of what we did and, and how we played. And, um, you know, obviously the, how we ended the postseason was, was tough, was disappointing, because we felt like we had a really, really good team to, to go deep in the postseason. We felt like we were lined up well. Um, you know, we just came across a hot team that, that played better baseball than us for, for two games. Um, but I think, you know, as a season on the whole, I think we're you know with ha- happy with how it went, proud of how it went. Um, personally, I'm you know pleased again. I was you know able to to take the ball every time through the order. That's kind of uh, kind of my goal is to every five days get on the mound and, and help the team you know win and give them a chance to win. Uh, so that's kind of was, was my goal from from the begin beginning of every season is to to be healthy, um, throw as many innings as I can. Um, obviously, we we dealt with a bunch of injuries in the rotation, but we had a lot of guys step up and threw the ball well. So. Um, yeah, I think it was on the whole, it was a good year, just a, a disappointing finish to, uh, you know, to a, to a good season overall. All right. Obviously you don't know what's going to happen to counts, but let's paint a quick scenario here. Counts is gone. I'm in as the manager. Are you happy or are you not happy? When do you mean name as the manager? Is it, is it sooner or is it later in the season, later in the off season? If it was later in the off season, I might be hosed and have to come back, but if it's early enough, I might be able to petition for a trade. <laughs> January 30th. Yeah, I think I'm host. I think I'm stuck. Yeah. Okay. I'll make sure <laughs> I push out negotiations. 
There's a stack of resumes right over there. That he's sending out <laughs> to the teams for all the managerial opens. For all the opens. Four. Now, now we're going to keep him on this show, at least for now. So don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll sign him to a bigger contract than Cap. So we'll keep him here. There you go. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Corbin, um, enjoy some downtime here. We'll get you in a few weeks um, later in the off season and, and uh, say hi to your boy behind us for us. Yep, we'll do. Thanks, for me <laughs> Thanks Corbin. AJ. If they're not going to have Big Woo for most of 2024, and Corbin Burns is about to be a free agent, yes, there there could be a lot of turnover in Milwaukee, right? They're they're president of baseball ops from a few years ago is now at the Mets. Craig Council is very much up in the air in terms of status of what he's going to do. Um, so sucks. For, I know you know I I wanted to give my due to Big Woo, but also for the Brewers, this is just trash. It's a terrible, terrible little breaking news drop in on a Friday. Um, this could be the end of the Brewers as we know it. Because if they don't have Woodruff, one more year burns, he, as I just flicked his, his baseball card away, I mean, if you're the Brewers, you can trade him and get some stuff now. Why would you wait? Um, you know, you're going to have Freddie. Obviously, you signed him. But you have you have Yelich, you have Freddie. But then you got a bunch mainly of young guys. Uh Oh man, this is if I'm Matt Arnold, I am like, oh man, this is could not have come at a worse time. Cubs are on the way up. Cardinals aren't going to be as bad as they were. Whew, Reds are on their way up. I mean, this could be the end as we know it right now of the current Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, this is uh this is tough. It's tough to see one of my buddies get a get a diagnosis like this and then have to go get surgery especially when it's the shoulder. The shoulder is just a – we hear all about the elbow. Ken even just kind of hit on the Tommy John surgeries and the forearm strains. Guys come back from that. They heal from it in the sense of they pitch the same way. You don't want you don't want to hear the word shoulder. But if somebody's going to be able to come back from it, Big Woo's the guy. As AJ was saying, another big guy that's coming out of, on the free agency after next year – Willie Adamas. So you talk about Willie Adamas. You talk about Bernsey. What could they get for those guys this offseason? And is Yelly available? Is Freddie available because he's under team control? There's a lot of, lot of stuff that goes in here, and I think it's one of those things that maybe that kind of coincides with counts and how – not that he knew that there was going to be an injury, but like he's into his last year – what if the team, we talked about a little bit on Brew Crew, what if the team goes in a in a different direction? Does Counts want to be there for a rebuild? Or is there, you know, there's there's a lot of things in play here. Wilson Contreras is a is an all-star player that, you know, is behind the dish. So they still have pieces. But with Big Woo being out, now all of a sudden your three-headed monster turns to a one-year two-headed monster. And it's there's definitely some decisions, intriguing offseason decisions, not maybe with the Otani type of level, but there's a lot of teams that can't afford Otani. Everybody, and I repeat, everybody can afford Corbin Burns. And everybody wants a shortstop in Willie Adamas, too. So let's there's there's a lot of intrigue there, a lot of value. Starting pitching, especially because the free agent class is good, but there's so many teams, I feel like more than ever, that need starters and there's also some teams that are super cheap and w are willing to shed prospects you know i i meant i've mentioned this before like the orioles super tanked and then crushed it with drafting and developing 
that is a prime candidate to me to make a trade for someone like Corbin Burns because they're not going to give a hundred plus million dollar contracts out. I would say almost no chance. I would be absolutely shocked. So Corbin Burns is probably top on the tops on their list. I think he's at this point, I'd be surprised if he's not traded this offseason because of how Milwaukee will try to operate to get themselves like a smoother transition to the next good Milwaukee Brewers team. So uh, to, to me, it's probably a, a guy that is most likely to get traded starting pitching wise, top t- tier starting pitching wise more than anyone. You know, I know Cecil probably get talked about AJ, but Corbin Burns with one year left on a team that now is missing, you know, one of their big three, that's, that's a big blow. They're not going to replace that. So. No, they can't. And they, mm-hmm. this is why I said, Matt Arnold, I don't want to be him this off season. Cause you, they did give a big contract to Christian Yelich. So don't say they won't do it. They have to Christian Yelich. No, 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 no. I said he was talking the, about Orioles. the Orioles. Oh, the Orioles. The okay. Orioles would yeah. not give that money to Christian no. Yelich. They won't give that. They're not so signing. They haven't given no it to Adley Rutschman yet. Right. So that's why they're not going to go out there and be like, oh, hey, Jordan Montgomery, Aaron Nola, and then look at their own guys. They're not paying anyone right now. So that's my point is that team's looking and going, we'll get, we'll overpay for Corbin Burns. Because if we don't do something, our fan base is going to lose their shit. And this is our winning window. We need another starter. I'm saying that's the kind of team that will overpay. They will give up a major league piece or two plus a prospect in my mind. Just keep an eye on that. Corbin's the best. Love that we told him earlier, hey, where's the Cy Young Award at? And he was like, it's in a box. And then, of course, like season's ends, he takes it out, puts it behind him. Very, very classy move by Corbin. I love that. And maybe more to come for him. Um, And then I just want to finish with this. We started the show on this note. We talked about Woodruff himself for the team. Kratz, I think that Corbin is going to get traded. Now, again, that conversation with him that we had occurred um, right before, like 24 hours before we learned about Woodruff's shoulder injury. But with him out and with Burns about to be a free agent, I know you'll talk about another big free agent for them. Starting pitching so hard to find. And Corbin Burns is going to be looked at in the offseason as an absolute bargain starter that you can acquire for one year entering a free agent season. You only have, I mean, He's getting paid, but it's not paid like you'd have to pay a free agent starter. So I'll continue to push. I think a team like Baltimore that doesn't spend big on free agents, won't lock up a guy long term, is going to be like, I would shed an extra prospect to have Corbin Burns at the top of my rotation. They should do that. If that's how, if I'm Michael Elias, the GM, and I have marching orders from my owner that I'm not really allowed to spend legit money to be a World Series contender, I have to take prospects and young players that I tank to get to, to be able to trade for a guy like that. This is where you get value in a trade. This is not at the trade deadline. You're getting tens to 15s in the trade. You know, as far as prospects, you're getting 10, 10th prospect to 15th prospect to guys that are outside of the 30 top prospects in organizations. This is where you get it. This is where you get a team to over overvalue a trade. Almost you get the most out of it. Because it won't just be the Orioles. And I, I completely agree with you. They have to push all in. Corbin Burns is the type of pitcher that will co- be coveted by every team that is trying. Every team that's in the playoffs right now will call what is Corbin Burns' availability. Because a Corbin Burns on a one-year contract is like gold in the tight pockets of owners and in the wanting-to-win-now pockets of general managers and presidents of teams. So, Burnsy, I have a hard time 
disagreeing with you that he wouldn't be on the blocks because of this not having that three-headed monster. But you know what? When the teams call and they, you know, don't necessarily meet or they don't quite, they don't win the bidding for Burnsy, you have a controllable starter in Freddie Peralta. And I'm not trying to break up the Brewers here, but I'm trying to look at the future of a team that I love a lot and a fan base that I love a lot. And to me, if you want to win three of the next four divisions, they're still up for grabs. But if you get a haul for Burnsy, maybe you get a haul for Willie Adamas, you slide you slide, you slide Terangs over to shortstop, you still have a young core. You still have strength up the middle, and you have an opportunity to fill those holes and not just pick up four prospects. You have an opportunity with those, those two guys, the value. I'm not saying you get rid of Freddie. Freddie rank, anchors your rotation. You trade for possibly a number three type of starter, and then a maybe a, a power second baseman, maybe a – a piece from the Orioles like like Jordan Westberg, like a like a Kerstad, or you know, maybe a number three type of pitcher that can fill in rotation-wise. And now all of a sudden, you're right back in there with the Cardinals, with the Cubs, depending on how much they spend or don't spend. So I think it's I think it's something that is advantageous. And Matt Arnold, he's gonna He's going to earn his earn his stripes here this offseason. This is a chance for a team that has done so well on pitching development and run prevention to actually boost the weakness, which is hitting and offense. Young position player core. Jackson Chirio is going to be up next year. He's one of the top prospects in the sport. They need more impact bats. This is where they can get that job done. They have done a brilliant job of like bringing relievers over too, right? Like they know how to build a bullpen. Piams for most of the year was awesome, right? No one knew who he was until Pagero. this season. Pagero. They're Hobie they Milner, did a everybody. freaking fantastic job on that front. This is a chance for them. And you're right. I'm just using the Orioles as an example. I mean, dude, just in the National League alone, I was starting to think through. Braves, Phillies, they won't touch the Central because there'll be too many other teams that'll be interested. Dodgers, Diamondbacks, right? Team like Arizona, they're not going to sign a, a big dude like that either. And they can trade for someone like this. There are so many teams that will be calling Milwaukee and they will get a boatload back. A boatload back for one year of a pitcher in the offseason based on the scarcity and how you can get a number one for one season. So keep that in mind. I know that's hard to fathom for Brewers fans, but we'll talk about it throughout the offseason on Brew Crew Territory. See you next time.